Hi team, it's that time again where I have a conversation with another kick-ass person in business. Now full disclaimer, this is not an inspirational business podcast, but you might be inspired. These aren't all going to be success stories, but they are all going to be real stories because I'm not here for the enlightened, fluffy, feel-good version of people's journeys. I want the nitty gritty raw versions. If you're a business owner, freelancer, entrepreneur, creator, or someone with a side hustle, I can guarantee you'll be able to relate to something in this episode because this is what it's really like to take a chance and chase a dream. Don't forget to hit subscribe and slide into my DMs on Instagram if you want to chat. I'm Sean, and this is not an inspirational business podcast. This week, I spoke to Serena. She is a men's intimacy coach who helps conscious men create deeply fulfilling, juicy, and authentic relationships. Now, we spoke about what that actually means, as well as how she got into it. We also dove into the importance of finding yourself and following your passion as well as how much the fear of failure can limit you at the beginning of your business journey and then throughout it as well. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I know it's already quite late in the Netherlands, but I'm so, so excited to have you here. So did you want to start off just by telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. So my name is Serena Milada, and I coach men who are struggling a little bit in regards to intimacy. So, for example, men who find it hard to ask women on a date, who feel a bit insecure about that, but also men who are not insecure when it comes to the dating, but who struggle with things like being intimate with their current partners. So I coach men who don't have a partner, but also men who already have a partner and want to take their relationship to the next level by going even deeper into intimacy. That's in a nutshell what I do. (laughs) Perfect. I love that. Can I ask what you were doing before you sort of stepped into this intimacy coach space? Yeah. So there's a lot of things that I did before, but the most recent thing that I did before this was coaching women and I was coaching them about their menstrual cycle. So it's like the complete opposite almost of what I'm doing now. (laughs) Absolutely. That's from one extreme to the other. What was the transition from coaching women around such a female centric space, our menstrual cycles, and then transitioning into men and intimacy? How did that sort of come to play? Yeah, I have my business coach, Elena, to thank for that, because I started out doing my business by doing something that I knew I was good at, because I had this fear of failing. So I just thought about what am I really good at? What is my my expertise? And what is something that I know I can do without having to study for it first or having to struggle? Something that comes very naturally to me and something that I know that I can also explain very clearly. And in the moment when I started my business, which is only like one and a half year ago now, I think, I was working on my own cycle and I just did a whole study on the menstrual cycle just for myself. And then I realized because of that, I became an expert in it. So that's what I started out doing. But then I noticed that my work wasn't feeling very fulfilling because I made a course and the course was amazing. And I love to host the course live. And then I did it a second time. And then I felt that it didn't excite me that much anymore. So at that time, I was working with a business coach, Elena Ray, and she asked me about it. And she said, If you could do anything in the world and you would know that there would always be tons of clients knocking at your door, wanting to work with you and wanting to pay you whatever it is that you're asking, who would you want to work with? And then it was so clear all of a sudden. I was like, I'm working with women now, but what I actually like to do is working with men. But I found that so scary because I was like, how can I as a woman be a men's coach, you know? Shouldn't the man be doing that? So there was this big mindset block over there that was blocking me from doing what I actually wanted. And I loved the work that I did with the women as well. But I just felt like that was all I could do. And I was just yeah, really convinced in a way that because I am a woman, I shouldn't be coaching men, you know, a man should be doing that. And then Elena told me, why don't you just try? Why don't you just start doing it? Just get some clients and just see if it works or not. So that's how I made the switch. I think that is such an important piece of advice is why don't you just try? I think it's something that so many of us, when we start our own businesses or, or move into a new space, are afraid of taking a risk because our fear of failure. Whereas more often than not, that thing that we're afraid of is the thing that we're meant to be doing, or it's the thing that's going to lead us towards what we're meant to be doing. So I love that she was like, just give it a go and see what happens. Yeah. And obviously, <laughs> obviously it's worked. 
Yeah, for sure. That's amazing. How was um, sort of that transition for people in your life as well? Sort of, did you have to explain that a lot about what it was like moving from working with women to working with men? Were people like, what are you doing? I actually expected them to ask me a lot of questions like, why are you doing this? Weren't you a women's coach? Why are you coaching men now? Blah, blah, blah. Again, that was just my mind coming up with all these scenarios that never happened in reality. It was very natural because even though I was coaching women professionally, I have always been a person who was also coaching men, but not in a professional way. So I was always helping my friends with what to wear on a day. Like my male friends would always come to me asking me questions about their relationship. Like, oh, my girlfriend is doing this or that. And I don't know how to handle it. Do you have some advice for me? Or I went on a date and now she texted me this. What should I do? Or I feel insecure, but I want to go out. Like all these questions men would already come to me with. But I, I just never saw that I could also do it professionally because it was something that was so in my blind spot even some of them told me hey it makes so much sense that you're doing this now and especially my male friends were like oh I love that you're doing this professionally now because you have helped me so much and it's so nice that you can help more men in this way than just your own friends by doing it on a bigger scale basically that's incredible I love that it's something that you were doing without even realizing you were sort of doing it and that it led down that career path have you found Any significant differences working with men versus women? Yeah, mainly the marketing. The marketing is way harder because women are in general a bit more open in talking about the things that bother them and men not so much. So what I had with the women was as soon as I posted something about the cycle, I would get a lot of likes and a lot of comments and women would discuss with each other about the topics that I was posting about. And they would also start a conversation with me about it in my DMs or under the post. But with men, I sometimes I'm like, who am I posting for? I'm posting something and it gets like five likes and four of them are women. Are the men even reading this, you know? But then when I meet the men at an event or or I just talk to my friends or whatever, very often they come to me saying, oh, I really like your posts. And I'm like, you read my posts? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, yeah. And then sometimes I ask them, why don't you comment? And then they often share that they just feel a bit uncomfortable about it. And especially because I'm, I'm of course marketing things around intimacy, but also about confidence, insecurity, and stuff like that. It really takes a lot of balls to comment on a post like that. For example, when I share like, hey, if you're struggling with approaching women, this is what you can do. Or when you're struggling with intimacy or you're dissatisfied with your sex life, for example, these are some tips that you can that you can use. And then it's very scary for them, of course, to comment on that because what if their friends read that, you know, and they their friends find out that they're actually quite insecure? Because in general, I found that men can find it really scary to admit that they find something difficult to do, that they struggle with something. So when I'm in a one-on-one space or a group container, they very openly share about it, or of course, in private settings. Mm-hmm. And with women, it was very different. So I think that's the main difference. So you're, you're reaching them. They're just all in stealth mode behind the scenes, watching you lurking in the shadows. Yeah. <laughs> Which sounds terrifying. That I didn't mean that in a, in a terrible way, but that's how that sounded. Yeah, they're like secretly, secretly watching. <laughs> I guess I guess that makes a lot of sense, though. I think there's so much stigma still around men who are in tune with their emotions, who are comfortable with vulnerability and I think in probably the last five years, the space has started to open up so much that men are speaking up a lot more and and engaging with things that, you know, address these issues. But it's still very sort of hush-hush behind closed doors, which is sad that they don't have the opportunity to really step into that vulnerability and say, I'm a man and yet I'm still uncomfortable in this situation. So I think that's incredible that you give them a space and an opportunity to go through that process. Yeah, and it's really beautiful to watch because in my marketing, I found out that men find it hard to talk about it openly. But when I'm actually working with them, they are super open. And sometimes I also host masterminds. So then I have a group of men and I just coach them on whatever comes up for them. So it's not like a program, but it's more casual and they just bring in what they're struggling with in that exact moment. And then I coach them on that on the spot. 
And then I found that there was always this brotherhood. And there was even, this was really, this is a really nice story. I want to share that here because it was so beautiful. This was the first mastermind actually that I ran. And after the mastermind finished, first they wanted to continue with me because they just liked the group and they wanted to continue all together. And then there was like half of the group was like, I want to continue. And the other half was like, I'm not sure. And then they said, I only want to continue if we continue with the whole group because I like this group so much. So that was very precious. But what was even better was that after the second round, when they did their work with me, they actually continued as a maths group. That's awesome. So that was That's so, so nice. Great. Yeah, that really touched me. So that just shows to me how, how important it is that we create these spaces for men because women's circles, you can find them pretty much anywhere, at least here in the Netherlands. But men's circles are a bit harder to find and especially men's circles where you can be vulnerable. And it's so beautiful to see how often the first things that they tell me is that they struggle with vulnerability and that they are afraid to do something wrong and to be judged and stuff like that. But then once they kind of broke through that uncomfortableness around that, you can really see them open up. And it often happens that in the first call, they open up completely and they share such vulnerable things and they all react with such compassion. And that is also where the healing takes place. That they can see that, hey, I can actually be vulnerable. And it's totally okay that I share that I sometimes struggle with things. And my brothers don't judge me. Other men, whoa, you have that too? I thought I was the only one. And then I found out that basically most of the time, all of them struggle with the same things, but just in a, in a bit different ways. And that's also so healing because men don't often talk about the things that they struggle with. So sometimes they seem to think that other men don't struggle with things, or at least not to the extent that they do. And then when being in a group like that, they find out that actually that is complete bullshit and that everyone struggles with things. That's so, so important. And I mean, even in the context of not just men, not just women, it's sort of in business and in so many areas of our lives, we think that we're the only ones struggling with, you know, imposter syndrome or fear of failure or vulnerability or any of these sorts of, you know, negative based stories. And so often we just need someone to hold that space to say it's okay. And it's not just you. We all have moments like this. We all feel like this sometimes. And, you know, as a collective, this is how we can support each other, move through those. So I think that's incredible. I did want to touch on, you talk about polarity quite a bit on your social media. And I think it's a term that's used quite frequently now, but I think there's probably still a lot of people out there that don't really understand what polarity is, what it means, how it works. (laughs) Often when people think about polarity, they make it into something very fake, but actually it's really simple. I always like to use the example of two magnets for the minus poles. So if you have two minus poles and you try to connect those, that's not going to work. But then if you turn one of them around and you try to connect the minus with the plus, then they attract each other like crazy. Like you can keep them at a few centimeters distance and they just whoop. They just kind of get sucked into each other. You know, that's how a magnet works. And that's also how polarity works. Doesn't have a lot to do. It has something to do, but it doesn't have a lot to do with men versus women, but it has more to do with masculine and the feminine energy. So a lot of people think like, oh, but how does that work when two men decide to be together or two women decide to be together? Then you can also work with polarity. And I would say then it's even more important because then you have to actually create it because it isn't always there naturally. And in a men-women relationship, it's usually a bit more natural to already have kind of polarity in general. I'm generalizing here. But we all have the masculine and the feminine energies inside of us. And if you want to have a relationship where there's a lot of chemistry, then just think about the magnets. If you want there to be chemistry, then you have to be in two different poles. And of course, it's not black and white. You can also be in the same pole and still have an amazing sex life. But it's just way easier if you make use of these polarities. So you can try really hard to put the minus and the minus or the plus and the plus together, or you can just turn them around and just try to connect the plus with the minus and then it just comes very naturally. It takes no effort at all. So that's also the case with polarities. When you are in a relationship with someone or you're dating with someone, and especially when it comes to sexual interactions, it can be really nice to play with these polarities. So to decide one of the the two persons is going to move into the feminine polarity, feminine energy, and the other is going to move into the masculine energy. So that way you can create polarity. And like 
it's really hard to explain in a nutshell what the masculine mm-hmm. and the feminine energy are. Like, that's going to be a whole different pod. I can create a whole podcast about that, I think. But in short, it's about penetrating and about receiving. So you can also see that when you look at sex, because naturally men have more masculine energy in general, women have more feminine energy, and you can see that in our bodies. The feminine body is made to receive in sexual intercourse, and the male body is made to penetrate. So that's also how these energies work. And you can, of course, turn them around. You do not necessarily need to do that physically, but the women can go into the masculine pole of having this penetrative energy of taking charge, of being the dominant one. And then her partner can go into that more feminine energy of being more uh, more in surrender and more in the receiving mode instead of in the giving or the doing or the, the penetrative energy. So that's in a nutshell how polarity works. It's, works. it's always really hard to explain it in a short period of time, but I hope this gives some clarity on it. No, absolutely. I think it does. And I think it's it's a really interesting space to play in with work as well and business. Have you been able yes. to find a way to weave sort of polarity through your business? And what does that look like for you? Someone once told me that money is a masculine energy and that if you want to receive more money, which of course you want, if you have your own business, you want to also make money with it, then you have to be in the receiving mode. And this is also why a lot of people struggle with their own business because they are often in a doing mode. They are often in this kind of penetrating energy going out into the world and doing, 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 making things and marketing and continuously being in that more masculine energy. The masculine is also more an energy of doing. And the feminine is more an energy of being and receiving and being in surrender. So often in business, you see that this is out of balance for people, especially because it's kind of the world that we live in, right? When you are think- you think about work, you immediately think about doing things. I need to do things. I need to make a to-do list and I need to check all the boxes and I need to, you know, it's very, very much about productivity. But if you're always in that energy, then money cannot very easily come to you when you think about the polarity, because money is a penetrative masculine energy. At least that's how I view it. So it's a penetrative masculine energy and it wants to come to you. But if you're continuously in the doing, you're kind of pushing it away, just like the plus balls of the magnets are pushing each other away. So in business, of course, you need to have those in balance as well. Just as in a relationship, you need to have them in balance in yourself. You need to have them balanced between you and your partner. And also in business, you need to have these energies in balance. Because if you're only in the masculine energy, it's really hard for money to come to you. And it's also not a very attractive energy if you're continuously doing, doing, doing. But on the other hand, and this is something that I've personally struggled with, because I'm a very, very feminine being naturally. So I have like, I think 95% feminine energy and maybe 5% masculine. I'm still working on it, but I'm not very balanced in that yet (laughs) because I was always in this feminine energy and I found it really hard to be in the masculine energy of doing. So once I had my clients, it was really nice and really easy to work with them. But doing the marketing and actually creating content and stuff like that and having a structure you know, was really hard for me. So it's really important to have those in balance, to have the masculine energy of being able to make commitments, being able to set priorities, you know, because as you probably know, when you have your own business, it can be really tempting to say, well, I can do these things tomorrow, you know, because you don't have a boss who wants you to show up at a certain time on a certain day. So you can say, well, maybe I can do it tomorrow. And then the next day you say, oh, well, the sun is shining today. Mm, maybe I can do it the day after. And then, you know, a week has passed and you haven't done shit. At least that's what <laughs> happened to me sometimes. So it's really important to balance those two and to also not go too much in the masculine pole because then it's really hard to actually receive. So yeah, definitely in business. It's also really interesting to learn about polarity. Absolutely. I think the the hustle culture, like the hustle and grind and like you've got to do all of the things and be all of the places and show up and show up and show up. I feel like I always feel like that's really masculine. It's almost like frantic masculine, like it's not a calm, mm-hmm. you know, secure, structured masculine. It's like a frantic little boy running around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would even say it's kind of it sounds a bit extreme, but I always label it as the toxic masculine. 
mm-hmm. which is the negative outcome of being too much in your masculine and not being not being in your masculine from a grounded and centered place, but being there from a place of, oh, I have to do something, you know, with this energy of, if I don't do this, I'm not going to succeed. And I don't want to fail. Like it's this very, it's kind of a pushy energy and it's not grounded at all. And it's very much from the head. Like I need to do this because if I don't do this, then blah, blah, blah. Instead of, hey, I feel that I have a passion for my business and I want to do things for my business because I want to get my message out there and I want to reach more people and I want to grow my business instead of, I have to do this right now. Absolutely. It's such an interesting space. And I think, I mean, it's not one that I've spent a lot of time in, but every time it's sort of, I come across something to do with the polarity between masculine and feminine energy, especially within business, I always find it so, so interesting. And I think that's it's something that we need to to bring into business more because for so long business has been about the hustle and the doing and and like you were saying, but there is the side of being gentle and resting and taking time for yourself that I don't think we honor as much as we should. Like you said, it can go to the extreme where you're like, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Oh, I don't need to do that or whatever that looks like, <laughs> which I think we all have days like that as well. But yeah, I think finding that balance with within business, within the masculine feminine energy and sort of being able to hold that is important and definitely something I would like to understand a little bit more. In terms of your sort of business journey, what are some things that you have overcome in terms of like, obviously you had sort of the fear of failure around working with men versus women. Were there any other of those sort of stories that came up when you were making that transition? Yeah, for sure. I think the biggest one was it had to do with starting a business. Mm -hmm. And actually I wanted to start a business years ago, but I didn't do it. And always I would have a story in my mind of, oh, but I really like the job that I have right now, even though I didn't really like it that much, or (laughs) now is not the right time, or I want to find a business coach first, or I want to read this book about business first, or blah, blah, all Mm -hmm. the stories, you know, all the ways in which you can bullshit yourself into not doing something that feels scary. Until I realized, and this was also what shifted things for me and what made me actually take the first step in my business, was that I realized how heavily I was bullshitting myself with this because I actually had this very, very, very deep fear. And it was kind of a fear of failure, but it had more to do with bursting the bubble. So as long as I didn't take the step, so as long as I didn't hire a proper business coach, which I definitely highly recommend everyone who wants to start a business do, I didn't do it in the beginning. And Really, honestly, if there's one simple advice I can give you, it is hire a proper business coach if you're starting your business. As long as I didn't do all these things that were needed to actually start, I could still tell myself that if I would do those things, I might succeed or I would probably succeed, you know, because of course, if you take the right steps, then you will succeed because a lot of people have their own business. So why not me? But I actually didn't fully believe that I could do it. So I kept coming up with excuses of now is not the right time or blah, 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 whatever it was. Because if I would actually do those things, if I would actually read that one book that I thought would help me, if I would actually build a website, start doing marketing, telling people about the work I wanted to be doing, um, you know, hire a business coach even and, and invest in it time, energy and money wise, And then I would fail. Then I would at some point, if I would keep failing and failing and failing and failing endlessly, at some point, I would admit to myself that it might not be for me, that I might not be fit for entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And that felt so scary because it was such a big dream of mine to actually just do what I love doing and what I'm most passionate about and turn my passion into something that I can just do for a living and to serve people with on a greater scale because it wasn't just about the money. It was also about me really wanting to serve more people on a bigger scale and really do something meaningful for the world instead of just, you know, I'd I'd worked in supermarkets and stuff like that. It's nice to talk to the people, but it's not super meaningful work in in a sense (laughs) that if I would actually take those steps, if I would actually try and just give it a 100%, then what if I failed? What if I failed? Because then at some point I would have to admit to myself that it might not be for me. And that felt so scary. And as long as I just wouldn't start, 
I also couldn't fail. So my beautiful bubble of me being an entrepreneur, having amazing clients, having a beautiful website, having a wonderful VA helping me out, having money come into my bank account, maybe traveling the world to give talks somewhere or be on a TEDx or whatever, then I could still look at that beautiful bubble from a distance and be like, oh, that's nice. It's going to happen someday. And I think that was my biggest block that at some point someone told me, but what if you don't take any steps towards that at all? Where are you going to be like 50 years from now? Then I said, yeah, of course, then I'm not going to have my own business, you know, because I didn't do anything for it. And then he looked at me like, mm-hmm. is, like is it already landing or do I need to repeat it for you? For you, you know, do you, do you notice what you're doing? Do you see? And I just didn't see it because the story is in my head. My head is really good at coming up with excuses. Like my brain is so smart. And I think everyone's is, especially when it comes to making excuses for something that's scary. And I was just so convinced that it wasn't the right time. And I should have a very clear niche first. And I didn't, you know, I didn't know what I want yet. I had to figure that out first. I had to make some money first and blah, 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 blah. And of course I'll be happy one day, but it's really gonna be very painful for a while, you know, because it was a very beautiful bubble. And I really felt very deep inside of me that it was something I really, really deeply wanted. And I was kind of scared to admit that to myself, how much I actually wanted it. And at that point, I realized that I basically had no other option because if I didn't do anything to build a business, I would also never have the business, you know? So of course there was this fear of failure and yeah, what if the bubble bursts? But what if the bubble just stays a bubble for the rest of your life? You know, that's the alternative. And once I realized that, that gave me kind of the courage, I would say, or maybe it was just me realizing that I had no other option if I actually wanted to create the thing that I wanted for myself. And that was what made me take the first steps into, yeah, starting my own business and hiring a coach immediately and being like, okay, I'm scared that I'm not going to be able to do it. And if I do give it my all and I'm failing, then I'm going to be very unhappy and I'm, I'm going to cry a lot and I'm going to be really sad about it. But if I'm going to do it, then I am really going to do it, you know. So I immediately hired one of the best business coaches out there who was already a millionaire by then. And I was like, okay, everyone around me thought I was crazy because I was spending literally more than half of my savings mm -hmm. in the same week that I quit my job and moved houses to Amsterdam, which is not very cheap to live. And everyone around me was like, why are you doing this? And then I told them, okay, if I'm going to do this, I am really going to do this. So I want the best coach out there and I want all the help I can get. Because then I cannot bullshit myself anymore, you know? Then I cannot tell myself the story, oh, but what if? Then I'm going to do it. And then if I fail, okay, maybe then at some point I have to admit that it's not for me. But then at least I can say that I really tried instead of just coming up with all the excuses. Honestly, that what you've just said there, I think is almost everybody's reason for not taking that first step. Like that feeling of being like, oh, but if I try and fail, then it's heartbreaking. Whereas if I just think about it and don't actually take those steps and then don't, you know, the reason why I'm not doing it is because I didn't take the steps or I didn't do the thing. Like, I think that is for so many people, that is the reason why we don't take that first step. But once you realize that if it's just going to sit there as a dream forever, you're never going to know if you could have done it. So taking that first step gives you the opportunity to step up and be like, yes, I can actually do this and then turn that dream into a reality. Or it's an opportunity to step up and realize that that's not actually what you're meant to be doing or the direction that you're meant to be going, which obviously can be heartbreaking if that's what, you know, you've been focusing on. But sometimes you have to fail to realize that you're meant to be doing something else. And I think we're conditioned not to fail. We're conditioned to always succeed, whether we love it or hate it. And that's why people end up in careers that they absolutely despise, but they are succeeding at it. So it's sort of finding that balance of just because you're good at something doesn't mean that's what you have to do. And just because you're not good at something doesn't mean that you can't do it either. So I think everything you just said there when you were talking, I was like, oh, all of this. <laughs> I've felt all of these emotions before. And I love that you just went, if I'm doing this, I'm doing this completely. I'm moving to Amsterdam. I'm getting an expensive coach. Like... <laughs> 
all or nothing. I love that. And yeah, well done for taking that leap and and just diving straight in. I want to start asking you my rapid fire questions because I think you're going to have some incredible answers to these. The first one is what is a fundamental value that you've woven throughout everything that you do and why is it important to you? The first one that came to mind was authenticity because I feel that that is the key to living a happy life. And I think also that it's a very underrated thing that a lot of people seem to think that, oh, if I just behave a certain way, or if I do a certain thing, or if I say a certain thing or blah, 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 then I'll be happy. You know, if I make the money, then I'll be happy. If I have the car and I'll be happy. If I behave a certain way, I'll be accepted. If I have the most amazing opening line, then every woman out there will go on a date with me, you know, things like that. But it's not about that at all. That's what I found out for myself and also what I find out every time I work with a client. The only way I would say, and this can sound very polarizing, but I would say that the only way to genuinely be happy and to genuinely feel loved by other people is to be authentic. Because if you're not authentic, then... This has been my own journey. I haven't been authentic. I was bullied when I was younger. And then I decided to kind of be a certain way to be accepted. But I didn't feel loved. And I didn't understand why until I realized that they weren't loving me. They were loving this kind of something I was not. And it's not that I was I was a complete different person. Of course, I was still partly me. But also, I was sometimes behaving in a way that wasn't very authentic or I was pretending to be interested in certain things that actually I found really fucking boring. So for example, I would around my male friends pretend that I liked watching football with them, but I really do not like watching football. I'm really completely not interested in that at all. We've all (laughs) been there. We've all been there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So then I would be there and I would have this amazing time with them and they would say, Oh, you're so fun to be around. But then a little voice in my head would say, yeah, because I'm watching football, which I don't actually like. And if I tell you that I don't like watching football, you're not going to want to hang out with me anymore. I was pretending to have the same morals and values as certain people, while in reality, I had different morals and values, but I was too scared to share them because I was so scared that if I would actually be myself and show myself, then I would be rejected. And if you get rejected while you are not being yourself, then it also hurts a little less because you can say, well, they are not rejecting me. They are rejecting this persona that I created around myself, you know? And when you actually start being authentic and they do reject you, that hurts because they reject the actual you. But the other side of this coin is that once you are authentic and you actually show yourself and everything that you are and people do like you, then you can actually receive that love because you are actually loved for who you are. And in my personal experience, and I've also heard this from a lot of clients and friends, that is one of the most beautiful things in the world to be around people and to feel that you are actually loved for who you are. So yeah, authenticity. And with that comes, I would say a combination of bravery and vulnerability, which for me are kind of the same. A lot of people think that vulnerability is is linked to weakness, but in my opinion, vulnerability is linked to braveness. So to be brave enough to be vulnerable, actually show yourself and to be brave enough to say, hey, actually, I do not agree with this. And maybe even say, hey, I'm really scared to share my honest opinion with you because I'm scared that you might reject me for it and that you might not like me. But actually, this is my truth and this is who I am. And that is also kind of little spoiler for anyone who wants to work with me. This is also how you create intimacy. This is the single one key to creating intimacy, being yourself and being vulnerable and showing yourself. And you will find out that once you dare to take that step to be vulnerable and say, hey, I actually don't agree with you, but I find it really scary to honestly say that because I'm really scared that you might not like me when I share my real opinion with you. Any other person is open for it because not everyone is, but way more people than you think actually are. Then you will create real intimacy because the more open and vulnerable you are, the more open and vulnerable the other person also dares to be because it creates safety. Just think about it. When someone comes up to you and says, hey, you know, yesterday we had this conversation and we were talking about football and I was telling you how much I like football, but actually... I find this really scary to admit, but actually I do not like football and I do not want to go to the football match with you every week, 
in the future because I've been doing that mainly because I was afraid that if I didn't do that, you wouldn't like me anymore. Well, I cannot imagine if someone comes up to you that vulnerable that you say, oh, that's stupid. You're a stupid person. I don't want to hang out with you anymore. No, usually what happens is that the other person appreciates that honesty and feels more safe with you to also be honest from their side. And maybe they will share, oh, well, actually, I do not like going to ballet with you either, you know? <laughs> and then you can actually find, and then you might think like, oh, then you cannot do fun stuff together anymore. No, because then you can ask, hey, what do you like? And can we find something that we both like? And can we actually have a good time together? Not even a good time, but a great time because we're going to find something that we both genuinely like. And then we're going to do that thing way more fun. I love that you said vulnerability is linked to bravery because I think you're right that so often people associate vulnerability with weakness, but I completely agree with you that to be vulnerable is to be brave. It's to step into what you're afraid of and speak it, which in my opinion, takes away a lot of the power that it holds over us when we're willing to speak our fears. And the intimacy side of that's really interesting as well, because I think especially in relationships, it's something that I always say that it's communication for me is like what I always seek in relationships, whether they're with a sexual partner or friendships or business relationships, it always comes down to communication, which I also think is quite tied in with vulnerability because it's the ability to, to speak up when you need to. And I think, yeah, especially in relationships. I mean, I watch a lot of sport with my partner because he loves sport. (laughs) And sometimes I'm like, you know what? We've watched a lot of sport this weekend. I would really like us to watch an episode of RuPaul's Drag Race now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And that's how we have polarity in our relationship. (laughs) He's going to kill me for saying that. I might have to edit that bit out. (laughs) Okay. So the next question is, what would you say is the thing that sets you apart from, you know, other people in your space? So I think it's two things. And the first thing is my radical approach when it comes to authenticity. So I'm a mix of a dating, intimacy, and relationship coach. But mainly dating coaches will tell men to behave a certain way. So they might tell you, like, take her on a date to this or that place, or have a certain posture, or wear certain clothes, or whatever, or not text her for two days after the date so she's going to miss you, and blah, 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 blah. And I don't like those manipulative games. I don't like them at all. And yes, they work. They work. They might get the girl in bed and they might get you one or two dates, but they will never, ever, ever, this I can guarantee you, it will never, ever, ever give you a long lasting, sustainable, healthy, fulfilling relationship. They just won't. So I don't teach that. And I know that some dating coaches teach that to men and then tell them, okay, once you're in a relationship, you should be more honest. And I just, I just work in a completely different way. I would never tell someone to behave a certain way if it's not true to who they are. So I might tell them like, hey, these are places that you could take her to that are nice to go to on a first date. Or, you know, there is some psychology behind what colors to wear on a date. That's there. So I do sometimes share that. Like, you know, these are the colors. If you're interested, if you're curious about it, these are the colors that you can wear. What are the but colors? Please, <laughs> I don't know it by heart, but one of them is definitely black. And I do know the colors not to wear by heart. And those are yellow and brown. How interesting. Sorry to interrupt yeah. you. <laughs> Continue. No, I just thought maybe fine. someone wants to know what the colors are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the other colors to wear were blue. I think it's black, blue, and gray or something. Okay. But no brown and no yellow. <laughs> okay. Good to, good to know for all the singles out there. No <laughs> yellow, no brown. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, then, but then again, I would say if you love yellow, if it's your favorite color, then just wear yellow on the first date, you know, and just say, hey, this is my favorite color. What's your favorite color? You know, it can also be a nice icebreaker. And of course, this is not a very important thing, but I know that some dating coaches will also teach men to pretend as if they're confident, you know, or something like that. Or what I said about not texting her for two days, so she's going to miss you. I really don't like that there are coaches out there doing that. If you're a coach and you're listening to this, if you're a dating coach and you're doing this, please stop doing it because it's just ruining so much. Yes, it might work. It's manipulation. Yeah, and it might be effective because you're just basically poking into someone's trauma. And of course it works, but is that what you really want? 
do you want to be a type of person who does that? Or do you want to have an honest, authentic relationship where there's room for vulnerability? Because if you're manipulating someone, they are never, ever going to dare to be vulnerable with you. And you're never, ever going to experience real intimacy that only comes from vulnerability. You might have amazing sex, but you're never going to have fulfilling emotional intimacy. And I don't know about you, but for me, that is really, really important to have. So if that's not there, then I don't even want the relationship. So I would never advise someone to do something that's not true to who they are. And that's also what I tell all my clients on the onboarding calls. I say, hey, one of the first things I want you to know is please feel into everything that I share with you. And if I share something with you and it doesn't resonate, just throw it away. Just don't do anything with it. Because... It's so important to stay true to who you are. And we are just all different people. And I'm also just a person. So I might say something that maybe works for most men or that is proven in science or something that sometimes has to do with my own view on relationships, but it might not resonate with you. So please don't do it just because I say so. Please feel into your own truth and what's authentic for you. And then the second thing I think is that I work holistically. So I'm not, as I said, I'm not just a dating coach, you know, teaching men how to pick up a girl or something or get them in their bed as soon as possible. I work very holistically. And also when I coach men, I don't just talk to them about women. In fact, I think that less than half of the time that I am in conversation with my clients, it's about women. Way less than half of the time, I think. And most of the time it is about them as a person what are your values what are your goals in life what is important for you who is the type of person that you want to be and also and this is one of the biggest questions that I ask my clients to to help them get to where they want to be is to ask what's the type of woman that you want to be with who are you attracted to like what's your dream woman if you could have every woman in the world and then have them describe her and then say okay if you think about that woman what type of man would she want to be with? What type of man is a good match for her? Okay, so that's the man you need to become. If that's the woman you want to be with, then that's the man you need to become. And it's not about what does he wear or, or what color of hair does he have and you need to go to the hairdresser and do a makeover to look like him. No, it's about his morals and values, his personality. Like, is he honest, for example, or is he brave? Or, you know, is he passionate? What kind of man is it? but more about the personality and not about the little things that he does, but about what is the type of person that he is? What is the what is important to him? And also, who does he want to be? So what are his values? Does he value honesty or does he value being polite? Because you cannot be both. So the type of woman that you want to be with, does she want to be with an honest man or does she want to be with a polite man? And there are a lot of different types of women out there and some want to be with someone who's more, you know, the polite man that she can take to her friends without having to fear that he'll embarrass her. If that's the type of woman you want to be with, then you should better be polite and not always be honest. But if you want to be with a more spiritual woman who values self-development and growth and stuff like that, yeah, then you probably have to be more honest and not, you cannot always be polite. Sometimes you have to do something that kind of shakes everything up, you know, because that's the type of man that she needs. That's a good match for her. So think about the woman you want and then think about what type of man do I need to be and what tweaks do I need to make in myself to attract her and to be attractive for her mainly. I like the holistic approach to it because I think, yeah, looking at someone who is, you know, an intimacy and relationship coach, you could automatically just go down the path of, you know, this is how you get in a relationship, but not about maintaining relationships, forming healthy relationships and sort of all of those other aspects that come into it, not just getting a date with someone. Like there's so much more to it than that initial moment. So I think that's great. What is your go-to remedy when you're having an off day? First thing that comes to mind is kind of embarrassing to share, but the first thing that popped up was actually chocolate. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Practicing what I preach and being vulnerable here and just saying it as it is. Yeah, the first thing when I'm having an off day, I eat a lot of chocolate usually. 
but then the more healthy things like that's my first reaction like oh give me the chocolate i need the sugar so i need the comfort food but then after i had like half a bar of chocolate and i come back to my senses i really like to move my body i'm really into body work that's also what i teach a lot because i really believe in the wisdom of the body and i really believe that our bodies can process so many things and also that you can use your body to shift your energy. So for example, if I'm feeling very low on energy, or maybe I'm feeling a bit down, you know, maybe I just had a sales call with someone who's my dream client and they said, I don't want to work with you, you know, and I'm like, oh, but I like you, right? You're my dream client. Why don't you want to work with me, you know, or, or something else happened. And I'm like, oh, I'm feeling a bit down now. I'm a bit sad or whatever. And then I really like to move my body. So I put on a song. I have a whole playlist for this. Then I put on a song that resonates with the way I'm feeling in the moment so that I can so that I can let the emotions that are there out. So for example, if I feel sad, then I put on something from my cry list and then I just let the tears come. So the most important thing is to not bypass the feelings that I'm feeling. So I'm never going to just put on a happy song and pretend that I'm happy because I don't believe that that works. Then the trauma will store in your body. So first I find a song that matches the way I'm feeling so I can actually allow myself to feel it. So I really take the time. Sometimes I close my eyes and put a hand on my heart and tell myself, hey, it's okay to feel like this. Basically, that's the first message that I give myself. Hey, it's okay to feel like this. And sometimes I connect to my inner child and ask her like, hey, how do you feel right now? Maybe she's feeling unsafe. And then I just allow myself to feel that way. And after that, at some point, I switch over into shifting my energy because I know that it's not serving me to just be crying all day. Usually, maybe if something really big happens, then that can be okay. But usually if it's about someone not wanting to work with me or whatever, or you know, something, my favorite restaurant being closed or whatever, then it's not worth to really spend the whole day being sad about. So then I shift my energy. So first I allow myself to feel what's there. Again, the authenticity, the being real, and then shifting into, okay, how do I want to feel? And sometimes I want to feel the way I'm feeling. So sometimes I feel down like, whoa, I've had such amazing weeks and I haven't felt down for weeks, you know, or I haven't cried for weeks. And then there's actually a part of me that wants to feel that way. So sometimes that happens and then I allow that to be there. But usually that's only for a few minutes, maximum an hour. And then I want to continue having a nice day and doing nice things and feeling good. So then I put on a happy song and I just start dancing and I just start moving my body and not dancing in the way that looks pretty. I usually just close my curtains and close my door and I'm in my room on my own. And then I just dance in a way that feels good to my body. So maybe my body wants to shake the stress out or something, or maybe I want to jump up and down to gain some new energy when I'm feeling tired. So I just kind of let my body move to the music. So I don't let it come from the mind, but I really feel, I really trust the wisdom of my body and ask her, hey, body, what do you need right now to feel more energized or to feel happy or to feel more uplifted or to do whatever it is that I need to do? And then I just let my body move. And usually that helps. And a little disclaimer, I don't always do this. Sometimes I feel like shit and then I just watch Netflix and eat chocolate all day. And I just want to let everyone listening know that that is also okay. Because even though I've done a shit ton in the area of self-development and tantra and meditation and all that, I also am just human and we are all just human. And it is totally okay to have an off day and to just say, okay, fuck this. The world is just shitty right now. I don't like people. I don't like anything. And I just want to watch Netflix. And then you just watch your Netflix and you just eat the chocolate. And then you, you know, have your vegetables tomorrow and, uh, you know, do something else tomorrow. That's totally fine. It's totally fine to just allow yourself to be human, but just don't stay in it for too long. So don't watch Netflix for a full month and eat two bars of chocolate every day because of course, in the long run, that's not going to make you very healthy and healthy. Don't do that. Do not do that. No. <laughs> you I don't want that. No. Finding that balance, though, I think whenever I ask this question, most people's first answer is something like chocolate or junk food or like mm-hmm. watching Netflix. And then everyone has a, has the second version. So it's like the 
the part of us when we're having really bad days and we just can't can't step out of it that's the one that goes straight for the chocolate and the junk food and the the couch and the and the blankets and the pillows and things like that and then the second part of us is always the one that's ready to move through the emotions and most people say movement whether it's dancing exercise getting outdoors you know going to the beach whatever whatever that looks like so i find it really interesting that everyone i would say 90% of the people that I ask this question to have the same style of response. It's something comfortable first, and then it's like a proactive movement that helps them push through it. So I love that yours is exactly the same as well. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's just something universal. It works. Hmm. It works. For me, it works. And probably all the people that you've spoken to about it, it works. What is the most important lesson that you've learned so far in your business? I think the most important one, and this is going to sound so, so cliche, but I think the most important lesson for me was that you are your own worst enemy. If there's one thing that's blocking you from living the life that you want and that you can have, it's you. It's your mind, usually. It's you having fears. It's you doubting yourself. It's you not believing in yourself. It's you being conditioned a certain way or maybe being raised a certain way, having your inner critic shouting at you, maybe having had parents who told you that you're not as good as your older brother or sister or whoever, or maybe it was society telling you like you belong to a certain group that's not meant to succeed or whatever it is. It's usually your mind and your own thoughts and your own fears that aren't very grounded in reality most of the time that are blocking you. So that's definitely been the case for me. So often I thought like, oh, this is very scary or I cannot do that or it's not for me. But then when I tried, of course, sometimes things failed, definitely. But most of the times, like I would say 95% of the time, it turned out way better than I thought. And I was like, why was I so worried about this? Why did I have three sleepless nights in a row about this you know why was I so worried about this I didn't need to be this worried it all turned out just fine and of course sometimes there were some hurdles on the way but looking back at it it was never ever ever as bad as I imagined it might be so 95% of the time it was just my mind blocking me and tricking me into keeping me in my comfort zone I think I think that's that's so so true though that we stand in our way more than anything else ever does what is the big dream I know you mentioned TEDx earlier sort of in passing is that you know part of the big dream or yeah yeah for sure yeah I think my big dream is is definitely to be on TEDx but also to host big events. And I mean, really big, like talking in front of an audience of a thousand people giving a lecture about relationships or intimacy or or something like that. And really working on a big scale. And also I want to write a book one day. Yeah, so really just expanding everything that I'm doing right now and just spreading all this beautiful knowledge that I honestly believe is going to make so many people's lives so much better and to make them feel so much happier to spread that with more people. What is something that's happened in your business recently that you're proud of? I think it was the conversation that I had with my newest client because I had a really nice discovery call with him and then he was very enthusiastic about working with me and then one or two days later he sent me an email with a whole letter, almost a whole book of reasons why he was doubting. And That never happened to me before. Of course, sometimes people come with objections like money, time, all the standard stuff. But this man was so enthusiastic. And on the phone, he was like, oh, I'm so happy that I found you. And we're such a great match to work together because you really understand me. And I really resonate with you and all that. And then I was like, where's this email coming from? And then I realized that I had two options that I could just kind of ignore it and be like, okay, well, I lost this client. Or I was like, what would happen if I would coach him through this? Still, maybe not ending up with him working with me, but I am a coach because I love coaching, not just because I want to make money or whatever. I really genuinely love to help people and to help them create mindset shifts so they will have a better life. And I was like, okay, this man has found something that he believes is so good for him and that is something that is really going to make his life better. And now he's doing what my mind also did with starting a business. He's trying to talk himself out of it. 
And it's totally fine. If he genuinely doesn't want to work with me, if he changed his mind, that's totally fine. Then I respect that. And then he definitely shouldn't work with me. But I just felt that there was something there. So I sent him a very long email back, replying to everything he said and reflecting back at him, the discrepancy between the enthusiasm that I felt with him on the call and then all the arguments that all of a sudden he shared with me. And I just asked him like, hey, can it be that there's something blocking you here that there's like you know, this fear of what will happen if you do start working with me. Maybe maybe there are some fears there because you're so used to living your life the way you've been living up until this point. And change can be very scary. I know that. You know, it is a big investment to making yourself to work with a coach. Because Especially one that's going to bring all of your vulnerabilities to the surface as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's just, it has the possibility to transform your life forever. You know, mm-hmm. if you have a good coach and it's a good match for you. So I understand that it can be scary. So I just reflected that back at him. And then he was like, oh, well, there were still some things, like some arguments that he came up with, but he was like, well, okay, I do think that you have a point there. I'm going to feel into it and then get back to you. And then he got back to me and then he decided that indeed there were just some blockages and that he did actually want to work with me. And then we had our first session and it was so, so beautiful. And I was like, oh, I'm so happy that I did this and that I didn't just kind of give up on him and think like, oh, well, you know, then we're not going to work together. Because I was like, no, I genuinely care for people. So I genuinely want to help them. And if we don't end up working together, that's fine. But I really want for him to be aware of Mm -hmm. the way he's blocking himself right now. It was amazing. There was so much transformation already in the first session. And that was really a moment. I also shared this with my business coach that I'm working with right now. Like this was such a big win for me. And again, the thing that I did was be authentic. So I didn't try to convince him like, oh, you should work with me because blah, blah, blah. I just shared with him like, hey, it's totally fine if you don't want to work with me. But I genuinely feel that I want to make you aware of the things that I am seeing right now because I'm noticing some patterns when reading your email and I just want to reflect them back to you and it was very scary because I was like okay maybe you will be like who are you to tell me that I just told you that I don't want you as my coach you know so why are you coaching me right now it was just so nice and after pressing send on the email I just felt that it was the right thing to do no matter how we reacted and that's also something that I teach people it's not that much about how people react to you it's about if it feels good to you to be the person that you are, and if you can in the evening go to bed and feel genuinely happy with the person that you decide to be. I think that authenticity as one of your fundamental values, the more and more you speak, it makes so much sense. Like it is across everything that you've spoken about. You definitely know where you're coming from. And I think just that process, when it's business and you have discovery calls with people, it's really easy to slip into that salesy marketing momentum. And, you know, you turned this situation around fully authentically, not from a place of scarcity or need or, you know, pushy sales. It was just like, hi, I've noticed that there is some patterns here and they're patterns I recognize because I've also been through these as well. And I think that showing up completely as yourself with no expectations around it is definitely something to be proud of. And now you're working with them, which is amazing. Yeah. And a little secret for the man. Well, not only the man, basically for everyone listening. This is also one of the keys to dating, to just be yourself. Because if you're not yourself, as I said before, someone might like you and they might want to go on a second date, but they don't actually like you. So it's not sustainable. But if you are authentic, of course, some people might not resonate with you and be like, oh, I just don't like the person that you are. And that is fine because we're all different and everyone likes a different type of person. You know, someone likes very outgoing, very, very lively people. And the other person is more into quiet and reserved people. And that's totally fine. So if you show yourself and if you are authentic, then people can actually see the person that you are. And if they resonate with that, then they will find you. And they'll be like, whoa, I had an amazing date. And this person actually is the type of person I'm looking for. And then in the relationship, you are still that person. So the chances of you having a happy relationship are going to be very big because you are still the same person. And if you've pretended to be someone else, then being in a happy relationship is going to be harder because either you're going to have to put up the facade and just pretend to be a person that you're not for the rest of the relationship, which is, I wouldn't recommend. It's very tiring and it's very hard because you might slip up at some point and then they will see the real you and what then. Or 
this also happens a lot. And this is also why a lot of relationships fail at some point, usually after a few months, you decide, okay, well, now we're in, now we're in this relationship. Now she likes me. Now I think we're going to stay together for a long time. So now I can start being myself. And then she's like, are you the partner that I wanted to be in a relationship with? Are you the partner I went on a date with? Like, where is he? Who are you? Did you change into something else? No, you just actually became authentic. A life hack, just always be authentic. It's the easiest. It might get you rejected, yes. But in the long run, it's really the easiest thing to do, even though it sounds hard. I'm going to take that part out and use that as a promo step because people need to know that, especially when you're trying to start a relationship, that if you're not showing up as yourself, it's never going to work. Like, how can you pretend to be something and then expect it to last when, like you said, it's either going to, you're going to have to hold up a facade for however long you're together, or one day you're going to turn around and be like, this isn't actually who I am at all. (laughs) Surprise. I mean, I think almost everyone listening to this will resonate with that and be like, oh, I actually once was in a relationship where at some point I was like, who is this person? Why did they change? Like, that's often when they say, oh, my partner changed. No, usually they didn't change. Usually they just weren't themselves in the beginning. So it looks like they changed, but actually they just, yeah, they changed into the person they already were. It's a gauntlet out there, dating. Um, Yeah. (laughs) What is a resource, tool, or system that you use in your business that you couldn't live without? Well, I think this is going to sound very stupid, but I think Facebook is really important for my business because this is where I find most of my clients because I really like to write. So I write posts almost daily, and I just really like to share a lot of information with people about the work that I do and about the tools that I use so that they can use them without having to work with me. So basically, I just share a lot of like, Uh, five things not to do on a first date or three tools you can use to create more intimacy with your partner or stuff like that. And for that, Facebook is really nice because Instagram has a limit and I like to write long posts. So Instagram is not really my my place to write because I often cannot use all the words that I want to use. So Facebook is really nice. And I think in the back end, it's Tantra, but that's not directly related to my business but it has just changed me as a person so much and it's just really infused into everything I do like literally everything I do Tantra is one way or another woven into it Mm -hmm. so yeah without Tantra I wouldn't be the person that I am right now and I definitely wouldn't be the coach that I am right now and I think that is a topic for a whole nother podcast because it deserves its complete (laughs) own space (laughs) yeah for sure Okay, what is a hot tip about your industry that people might not know? Yeah, I think that also has to do with the authenticity. That it seems like such a paradox, but trying to be or behave or do a certain way to get someone to like you, it's just not going to work. It's going to work on the short term, but it's just not, it's just not sustainable. It's not going to get you the happy relationship. It might get you the date or the sex but that's where it ends. It's not sustainable. So yeah, to be authentic. And as I said, this is also what a lot of coaches don't say. A lot of, especially dating coaches don't say, Hey, be authentic. Some do, some do. There are really amazing dating coaches out there who do that. But there are also a lot of dating coaches out there having this whole list of things you should do on a date or things you should say, or like whole scripts even that you can text to her. Like when I found out that that existed, I was like, what? Seriously? I mean, I know that some people find it hard to have a conversation, but why don't you just coach them on teaching them how to have a proper conversation, you know, instead of saying, hey, these are things you can copy paste into WhatsApp and then she wants to have sex with you after two days or whatever. Like, no, no, (laughs) please be authentic. That that just feels so icky. Like it is. Yeah, it is. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. I think you've probably given quite a few good tips throughout this whole recording. So (laughs) everyone's got lots of value from this one. Um, Mm. What is one piece of advice you'd give to someone listening who's thinking about starting a business or is it the very beginning of their business journey? Well, there's a lot of things, but one of the most important things is to, and again, it's going to sound cliche, but a lot of cliches are just very true. Believe in yourself and don't listen to the excuses that your mind comes up with. I think that's the most important thing. 
that mindset is really important. You know, don't give up easily. Uh, just try one more time, you know, and it's normal to fail. Also, maybe that's one of the most important things to share. Like everyone starts at zero and mm-hmm. everyone fails because if you don't fail, you don't learn. And if you want to do it perfect, that's just, first of all, that's impossible, but also then you might get there someday, but you didn't learn anything. You didn't grow as a person. And it's in a way also not sustainable. And the second one is, yeah, I would say to to work with the coach because you can do it on your own. I genuinely believe that it is possible to build a successful business on your own, for sure, because nowadays you have like books and podcasts and stuff like that. But it's just so much easier and it's going to save you so many sleepless nights and headaches. If you just find a coach and just invest in yourself, and this can be scary because you might have this fear of failing and then you'll feel like, oh, then I invested like, for example, my first business coach was 10K, which was more than half of the savings that I had back then. And I had no job. So I was like, okay, if I invest this much and then I failed and I lost all the money and it feels like such a waste of money, but it's never a waste of money if you invest in yourself. It's never a waste of money if you invest in yourself because you always learn. And the chances are really big that you will actually build a successful business when you start working with a good business coach. But even in the scenario that you don't, you will still have learned a lot and you will still have given yourself the imprint of, hey, I believe in myself and I want myself to succeed and I am here to support myself and to take care of myself and to provide myself with the things that are supportive for me and might help me get where I want to be at in the future. So it's always, I always tell this to people, it's always good to invest in yourself, no matter what. Always. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think the way when I made the decision to invest in a business coach, I was talking to my mom about it and I was like, oh, it's a lot of money and it's this and it's that. And she said, if you can leverage someone else's experience, knowledge, expertise, she was like, what is that worth to you? And I'm like, well, it's invaluable. If I can jump, like skip a whole bunch of steps because I have the availability of resources and knowledge, that's completely invaluable to me. And she was like, so the money isn't the problem. And I was like, it's not the money. It's never the money. (laughs) (laughs) But that is so true. That is so true. It's never the money. And I remember the first time that a coach told me that I was like, yeah, of course you say that because you want me to give you the money. (laughs) Because you're the one with the money. It is so true. Yeah, it is so true. Yeah. And finally, I guess it's just tell us where people can find you, how they can work with you. Obviously, I'll link everything in the description as well. But how can how can people find you to work with you? Yeah, so I have a website that is serenamilada.com. So they can find that in the description. And I'm also very active on Facebook and a little bit less on Instagram. But I do post a lot in my stories. So if you just want to see what I'm doing behind the scenes or how I live my life and how I work with my clients, then you can watch my stories. But I also post a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot lot of free content on my social media platforms. I just started using Instagram. So there's not a lot on there yet. But on Facebook, there's like, I think you can read for days if you scroll down my Facebook wall. (laughs) Perfect. And is there anything you want to add just to finish off? Yes. Well, I think this is something that I've said 80 times in this hour that we've been talking, but I would say be authentic. Really, that's the best advice I can give. If someone asks me how to be happy, be authentic. And yes, it is scary. And yes, it's the biggest risk that you can take because you risk being rejected. And I honestly know, I honestly know that that is freaking scary. But trust me when I say this, both from my own experience and from the experience I have working with all the clients that I've worked with, it is really the best way to experience happiness, to be authentic and to find your tribe and to find the people that resonate with you and to have true friends. And to it's also so relaxing to be able to be yourself and to not have to think about, oh, can I say this? Oh, oh shit, I shouldn't say that in front of these people, you know, and to just... Ah, just be relaxed and feel safe and just be yourself and just let your guard down. It's just really such a nice thing to do. That is going to be the promo audio clip because that is perfection. (laughs) 
(laughs) And the best way to finish off, thank you so, so much for your time this morning. Like I said, I will link everything into the description so people can find you, they can work with you, they can read all of your free content, which I'm also probably going to go and do a little bit of as well. (laughs) Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was such a lovely conversation to have. I really liked talking to you. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you'd like to share your own story or tell us what you think of this one, feel free to head over to Instagram and slide into my DMs. By the way, you're not going to want to miss next week's episode. I know I say this every time, but seriously, my next guest is kick-ass.